Good morning, good morning. Um, today's daf is daf Samachvav. Today's shears um Le'ilunishmas Mordechai ben Yosef and Yirmiyahu ben Yehuda. The um, we're going to start from the Mishnah at the bottom of Samachayim with base 65b. Um, it's the last line there. And uh, this Mishnah is discussing, uh, what would you call, um, the assistance that uh, disabled people would wear regarding going out on Shabbos and regarding Makabal Tumah. So, according to Rebbe Meir, an amputee can go out with his wooden foot. Now, what's special about this, we're not discussing the wooden leg, what he actually like uses to walk on. It's just the wooden foot was more aesthetic, so that it looked like he had a foot. He'd wear pants and shoes over it, and it would look like he had a foot. But it's a wooden foot. So, that's the, he's allowed to go out with that on Shabbos. The Rebiosi says it's forbidden. And uh, it seems um, there's a big discussion, but one of the reasons given why he holds it's a problem is because a wooden foot is not considered a shoe. You don't make shoes out of wood, and it is not a tachshit. He holds it's uh, not really a tachshit. No one wears, no one really wears wooden uh, feet. So therefore, it's not considered a tachshit, and it would be also for this uh, um, person who has his foot amputated to go out with this wooden foot. Now, a new point, we're going to discuss this on each of these articles, but we say even if it has a base kibble that can hold cloths, then it can become tome. It's an interesting halacha with wood. For wood to be able to become tome, it has to be um, a receptacle. If it's flat, what we use the term, shute cleates, flat wooden utensils, or we're going to see lower down towards the bottom of this amud, a walking stick. It doesn't have anything to hold something in it, like a bowl-shaped, a receptacle, it can't become tome. That's the din of, a, of wood. So this shoe, it seems when it's just made to hold the, for his, the bottom of his leg, or the wooden uh, stump at the bottom of his leg to go into the shoe, that's not considered a base kibble. And therefore, it's not, uh, it's, uh, it would not be able to become Tomei. If it's made hollowed out that he can put uh, rags or something, cushioning in, in the shoe, in this wooden foot, sorry, not the shoe, the wooden foot, then it would be able to become Tomei. I should mention in these Mishnahs and the Gomorrahs, it's been over the last few pages, in these pages, when we've mentioned something, can it become Tomei uh, or not, the Mishnah always uses the phrase, or the Gomorrah also uses the phrase of Tomei, it is Tomei. Or tahor, it is tahor. But that's not really what we mean. What we mean is, um, when we say tome, we mean it is susceptible to becoming tome. Doesn't just because it's a wooden a wooden foot that can hold rags, that doesn't make it tome. Only if if it can hold rags, then if something touches it, that is tome. A sheret, it's in the same room as a mace, etc. Then it can become tome. That's the important to remember again when we say Tomei in the Mishnah, we don't mean it's actually Tomei, <coughs> we mean it can become Tomei. When we say Tohor in the Mishnah and in the Gomorrahs over these pages, what do we mean? That it cannot become Tomei. It, it will always be Tohor. Okay, next case. So that's the, regarding a wooden foot. Smuchois Shelo. This is regarding someone who's a double amputee and his knee supports. So the, sorry, the knee pads of this double amputee. So he moves along 
mostly on his knees. So he would make some sort of uh, leather, let's call them knee pads or shin guards, uh, shin things for his legs to rest on. Tomeyan Midras, they do become Tome from leaning on it. The Yoitim Bohem Shabbos, and he can go out with them on Shabbos. Vinich Nasim Bohem Azorah, and he can go into the Azorah, into the Beis Amigdash with them. Um, so there's three halachas here. Let's just quickly go through them. The, so these things are basically pads at the bottom of his legs that he um, uh, walks, hobbles on this double amputee. Now, since they support his weight, that's what he's they, they're there for him to lean on, to sit, to lean on, to support his weight. They can become Tome Midras. Remember, Tome Midras is a special the type of tumor that we find by uh, Zav. Um, Zav, Zava, Nida, etc. That anything they sit on, not only does it become tome like something they touched, it gets the special level of tuma that that item is a av. And therefore, um, these uh, um, so these pads are made for leaning. And remember the law of midras. We actually learned it a, a few um, a few daffin ago. The law regarding Midras is that it has to be, sorry, um, it has to be something that he, that is made for sitting on, made for reclining on, made for leaning on. So these pads for his legs or these mats that he puts under his, under his legs to walk on are for him to lean on and therefore they can become Tome Midras. The second Allah, oh, why can he go out with them on Shabbos? They're like his shoes. He's never going to go out with them. Um... And then, yeah, there is tachshit, there is garments, his accessories. And then a third halach is he can um, he cannot go into the base into the so what we say the nichnasim bohem la he can go into the base amigdash with him. We know you're not allowed to go into the base amigdash with shoes, but these actually don't have the halachic status of shoes. Very interesting. He uses them as shoes for all intents they're his shoes, but they don't have the halachic status of shoes. Okay, now we go on to another type of uh, equipment of uh, articles for um, a disabled person. So, Kisei V'smucho Shelo Temeyim Midras. So, Kisei V'smucho Shelo. His chair and his support. Basically, what we're discussing here is um, I guess this is before wheelchairs but he would make a... This is someone who can't use their legs at all. Something's happened that he can't use his legs at all. So, he has a small chair that he... And so he has a little chair that he ties to himself, and then he has hand, they're like basically wooden boxes with handles on, that he, that he leans and pushes on the ground, so that his hands aren't scraping on the ground the whole time to help him across, and then he has little supports on the end of his legs to keep them off the ground. Now, so these halachas, obviously his chair and his handles, the hand things he uses, are for uh, transport to him himself. So those are his, uh, let's call them his shoes, and therefore he's allowed to go out with them. What about these supports at the end of his legs that are just to keep his legs off the ground? So regarding those, it says, Tomeyim Midras. I guess this halach would be regarding most of the things. Become Tomeyim Midras because they made for him leaning on. The Ein Yoitzim Bohem Shabbos. He's not allowed to go out with them on Shabbos. The Ein Nichnasim. Bohem Bazori, he's not allowed to go into the Azora with him. He cannot go out with these things at the end of his legs because they might become loose and fall off. And then he's just going to put them in his chair next to him and carry them. 
um, looked so that, and also they are considered his shoes because they worn at the end of his legs. Their supports worn at the end of his legs, so they are considered shoes, and he would not be allowed to go into the base of Midash with them. And then the final point of the Mishnah, like Tamim Tahirim Ve'en Yoitzim Bohem. Like Tamim cannot, or Tahar, they can never become Tomei, and you can't go out with them. It's a big discussion we'll see over the page, but here Rashi says they're basically wooden masks, things you'd use to scare children. Um, so, yeah, wooden masks. Uh, uh, masks. Okay, now the Gomorrah says, um, now, our Mishnah said, the first point of our Mishnah was that uh, Kitay, an amputee, can go, Rabbi Meir said he can go out with his wooden shoe, wooden foot, and Rabbi Yossi says he cannot. We're going to see this actually was a big discussion which way it was. Did Rabbi Meir say he can, and Rabbi Yossi say he can't, like our Mishnah, or was it the other way around? So that's just what this dis- following discussion is about. So, Omalei Rav Rav Nachman, which is the way our Mishnah is supposed to be? Who said what? Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yossi. So he says, I don't know. Hilchus amais, what's the halacha? So Amalei lo yadana, I don't know. So it's ma- now, interesting enough, generally to know the halacha, I actually forgot the principle, but you need to know, we have laws. If it's Rebbe Meir versus Rebbe Yoisi, who do we pass like? Or the one mentioned first in the Mishnah. The, you know, there are laws how to pass on the Mishnah, so you need to know who said what to work out the halacha. And Rav Nachman says, I don't know. It's ma- it's been said. Omar Shmuel, Einakitaya. Shmuel says a kitaya cannot go out. The chain Omar Rav Huna ain't a kitaya. So Rav 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 Huna said the Mishnah starts ain't a kitaya. I Rabbi Meir was the one who said that a lame uh, an, uh, a person uh, who's had their foot amputated cannot go out with their wooden foot. And Rabbi Yosi came and permitted it. I backed the opposite way of our Mishnah. Omar Rav Yosef Hova Omar Shmuel Einakita for Omar Rav Huna Einakita Ananami Nisni Einakita. Also Rabbi Yosef said, well, if that's how Shmuel and Rav Huna taught, well, we'll go with that in the Mishnah. Might give Lord Rabbi Bashira. Rabbi Bashira challenged us. Says, Loi Shmaelu Hold Matni Lord Rav Hanan Barov Alechia Barav Kame Derav Bekitma Devei Rav. Have you not heard about what Rav Hanan Bar Rava was telling Chir Bar Rav, with Rav standing there, in a side room of Rav's yeshiva? Exactly like our Mishnah, that Rabbi Meir was the one who said he can go out. Sorry. I'm sorry, he taught him the opposite of our Mishnah. He said Rabbi Meir says he cannot go out, and Rabbi Yossi says he can. And Rav signaled to them to switch their opinions around. Right, so we see what did Rav hold? Rav had the same Mishnah as our Mishnah. So Omar Rav Nachman by Yitzchak v'Simonah Samach Samach, and he says the way to remember it is Samach Samach. Rashi explains because Yosi Oser. In those two words, you find Yosi and Osur, the Samach Samach, and that's how you remember. But that's according to Rav. And then it's a, so so far we have a, a Machloik as it seems Shmuel and Rav Huna said that our Mishnah must be switched around, and Rav is exactly like our Mishnah. But then the Gemara comes along and says Va'ab Shmuel Hadar Bay. Actually, Shmuel also retracted from how he taught our Mishnah. So the Tanan we learned in another Mishnah. Chalitza, you can do Chalitza. Now remember, Chalitza is after Yibum, we haven't discussed this in a while, so quickly remember if, uh, if, uh, if he has two brothers and the one's married and he dies without children, the wife falls to the other brother in Yibum. If they don't want to do Yibum, let's call it similar to marriage, then they do Chalitza, which is the equivalent of divorce. Chalitza is done by the woman taking the rachu off her brother-in-law and spitting in it. 
Now, as we know, that has to be the right foot, it has to be, the sh- it has to be a shoe, etc. So those are going to help us determine some of these halachas. So, if, she, if her brother-in-law was wearing shoes that weren't his and she took them off, or a wooden sandal, or a left sandal, or she took off his left shoe which was on his right foot. It's a good chalitza. And they said, who's the author of this Mishnah? Let's focus on that a wooden shoe is considered a shoe. It's Rebbe Meir. That's none as we learned in our Mishnah. Rebbe Meir says that a coven and an amputee can go out with his wooden shoe, wooden foot. So what do we see? We see that in that price, it's, it considers a wooden foot a shoe, and Re- Shmuel says that price is Rebbe Meir, and he brings our Mishnah as a proof. So we see Rebbe Shmuel's, sorry, Shmuel switch to learn our Mishnah like that. V'af Rav Huna had and actually even Rav Huna retracted from learning our Mishnah that um, the original way he learned it. says the Tanya, as we learned in Abraisa, sandal shel sayodin, a plaster's shoe. A plaster sandal. Basically, I mean, there's a discussion in Rashi what this is, but we'll just go with the one version, is that they would, um, 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 what's it, sidonim uh, or plasters, they would work with a lamb, which would ruin leather shoes. So if they would wear a, pl- a straw covering around their shoe. So they'd have uh, leather shoes that they would have these special covers. In my mind, it's similar to, you know, scrubs the, the shoes that the doctors put on. So they would put something like that on over their shoes. So he says, so the, these sandalim of Sayodin, these pl- oh, straw sh- covers for their shoes, Tomei Midras can become Tomei through Midras. And a woman can do Chalitza with it. I, she takes it off her brother-in-law and spits in it. That's a valid chalitza. The yoitzin boba Shabbos, and she can go out with it on Shabbos. Divrei Rabbi Akiva. The loy hoidula, but others did not agree to him. Says vahot nan hoidula. Oh, but there's another price which says they did agree to Rabbi Akiva. So did others? Did these others agree to Rabbi Akiva or not agree to Rabbi Akiva? So Amar Avuna man hoidula. He says no. Other sages did not agree to him. But who's the one who did agree to him? Rabbi Meir. And who did not agree to him? Rabbi Yossi. It's Rabbi Yossi. So let's just focus on the relevant halacha for us. Ramfuna is telling us that Rabbi Meir agrees to Rabbi Akiva that the straw shoe is considered a good shoe. If he holds a straw shoe, which is an unusual material, still counts as a shoe, well then he would also hold that a wooden shoe, which is an unusual material for a shoe, counts as a shoe. And if a wooden shoe is a shoe, well then a wooden foot's a shoe and uh, it would count as a shoe. So we see Rav Huna saying that it's Rebbe Meir who holds that. It is a valid shoe and he can go out with it on Shabbos exactly like our Mishnah taught. And then the Gemara just says, Rebbe Yosef Oimer, Rebbe Yosef says, Man lo hodilo. There's actually another opinion which who would argue on Rebbe Akiva. And Rebbe Yochanan Menuri, it's Rebbe Yochanan Menuri, Dutnan. Um, as we learned in uh, Bryce in a Mishnah, so you just want to fill in something. Um, so, so Rabbi Yosef says, Rabbi Yochanan Benuri, the Tanya, as you learned in a Mishnah, I'm just going to modify the Mishnah as the Vilna the notes of the Vilna say to modify it because that's what the Mishnah, our Mishnah actually says. So, Machatzeres 
hakash, straw mat, the shafuferes hakash and straw, um, uh, str- um, straw tubes. Um, or I mean, Al Gamora says kiveres shall cash straw baskets for shfer shall kadim or reed reed tubes. Rabbi Akiva matame. Rabbi Akiva says otame. Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri matayr. And Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri says it's tahor. How do we see this? So Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri holds they are tahor as it is not usual to make kalim from straw, and so too shoes are normally made from leather. So we would say they are not considered kalim. They are not considered the normal kalim, and that's why Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri would argue on Rabbi Yochanan, which would be on Rabbi Akiva which is on this principle that even shoes made of straw or wood or something still count as shoes. Um, yeah, now, Oma, we're just going to analyze one point we mentioned in the Bryce earlier. Omar sandals shall say, Yadim Tomei Midras. These sandals, of, these plaster sandals, are these straw coverings that, they would, that the plasterers would wear around their shoes become Tomei Midras. What is Tomei Midrash? Remember, as we mentioned at the top of the page, if, they, if there's something made for leaning on, standing on, sitting on, it can become Tomei. The issue is, These straw coverings that they would put around their shoes are not made for walking on. What are they made for? Protecting the shoe from the lamb. So why should they be Tomei Midras? They're not made for leaning on. And I don't know if you remember the phrase we used a few duff a pages ago, it has to be something that if the person's sitting on it, no one would say, look, uh, get off it. I mean, no one's going to tell him to remove, necessarily remove these uh, straw shoes, but they're not something that's made for leaning on. So why should they be susceptible to, for walking on? So says Omri Rav Achabar Rav Ula, Rav Achabar Ula um, answered, Shekain Hasayad Matayobo No, we see he walks with it to his house. Are you right? They're not initially put on because of shoes, but he clearly considers them part of his shoes as he walks with them to his house. If they weren't considered part of his shoes, he would take them off before he walked home. So they are considered part of shoes, and therefore they can become Tomei. Then we mention in the Bryce of the Imiyeshlo Beis Kiton, Beis Kibble Kisits in Tomei. If this wooden um, shoe has enough a big enough hole in it to put rags in to cushion it, then it has what's called a base, ki- uh, base kibble, a receptacle, and it can become tome. Omar Abaya tome tumas meis, but ain't tome midras. Abaya says it can become tumas meis, but not tome midras. Rava Omar af tome midras. Rava says it can even become tome midras. Um, Abaya says the reason it cannot become tome midras is because, again, it's not made for leaning on. This wooden shoe... This wooden foot that this amputee is wearing is not made for leading on. It's made for, it's like a piece of jewelry. It's to look so that it looks like he has a foot. Um, so therefore, a, a buyer wants to say that it should not become Tomei. And Rova wants to say, no, it is made for leading on. What the Machloikes, as we're going to clarify now in the Gomorrah, but what their Machloikes is based on is what if you have something that's not primarily for leaning on, but is sometimes used for leaning on. Aye, this wooden foot wasn't made for leaning on. It was made for a tachit, an accessory to it, so that he looks better. But he does lean on the shoe. And we'll see a few other examples, similar walking stick, um, and things like that that are not really necessarily made for leaning on, but they are partially used to lean on. Do they become Tomei Midras? Or does it have to be primarily for leaning on to be susceptible to Tumas Midras? So, Vabaya Omar... Um, 
says, how do I know that's something that can become, that's partially for leaning on, can become from a detnan, as we learned in a Mishnah, the wagon of a child can become Tome Midras. Rashi explains what's this wagon we're speaking about. A little wagon that a child sits in and plays in. So Tosa say, but that's so obvious. If he sits and plays in it, it's made for sitting in. It's made, it can become Tome. He says, no, what we're talking about is uh, the sort of wagon that children who are learning to walk push. Now those uh, walkers, I think we call them nowadays. Um, so those, he's saying that since the child leans on it, the child is just learning to walk, leans on it a lot to walk, it is susceptible to Tumas Midras. But we see that's not exclusively for leaning on, it's for playing with as well. And therefore, um, Robert says, you see that something that's not exclusively for leaning on, or even primarily for leaning on, can become Tome. So by Omar Hasam, so what about a buyer who said that something that's partially for leaning on cannot become Tomai? A buyer Omar Hasam Somichilio Hachaloi Somichilio. A buyer says, no, there he leans on it, here he does not lean on it. I, the wooden shoe, um, yeah, a wooden shoe. Is made is he often leans on it with this child's wagon. He often does not lean on it. He'll often just be playing with it. Sorry, other way around. Other way around. The wooden wagon the child needs to walk, so he's definitely leaning on it. The amputee is not using this wooden foot to lean on. He's using crutches or something like that. Um, Then Omar Abayim, you know, says, how do I know that it has to be exclusively for leaning on to become Tome Midras? So he says, the Tanya, as we learned in Abraisa, Meikal shows a Kainim Tahor Mikulam. A staff of an elderly person is Tahor from all types of Tuma. It does not become Tome from Midras or any other type of tume. Tume, why does it not become other types of tume? If it's in the same room as a mace or a sheritz land on, lands on it, why does it not become tome? So this is the principle of um, Shute Kli Eitz. A wooden kli, a wooden article that does not have a base kibble, a hollow in it to hold something, this is not susceptible to tume. Um, and why does it not become tumas Midras? So by saying, because... It's not made for leaning on. He walks on his feet. He just uses it to support himself a little bit. But what do we see from here? That's something used to lean on, but not the ikar. It's not the primary purpose of it. Does not become tome. So that seems to be a good support for our buyer. Rava said that. So the Gemara says, but Rava, Rava will explain because Rava says even if it's partially used for leaning on, it should become tome. So Rava says, Hasam the Teirutsa Sugya Avida. No, there it's just to support his posture, to help him with his posture. It's not really even. He's almost saying it's not made at all for leaning on. It's made to to guard his to get his posture right, to keep himself upright, and therefore that's why it's not makabel tuma tumas midras. But if it would be something like, I guess, crutches that a person would lean on, then they would become susceptible to Tumas Midras. Hacha, but by the wooden leg, Mismu David, But the wooden leg, Rather says, he is made for leaning on, and he does sometimes lean on it. It might not be the primary way that he walks, but he does lean on that wooden foot. 
sorry, the wooden fruit, and therefore it is susceptible to Tumas Midrash. Okay, so that's the Machlokes, Abai and Rova, regarding something that is um, partially used for leaning on. Is it susceptible to Tumah? Abai says, no, it has to be its primary purpose for leaning on. Uh, yeah, and Rova says, no, even if it's partially used for leaning on. Then it says, then we mentioned in the Mishnah regarding the chair and the supports of a person who can't, something's happened to their legs, so they can't use their legs at all. Not like the first two cases was an amputee, so he can use most of his leg except his foot. Or the next, the other scenario was someone who could walk on their knees, um, but this is someone who can't use his legs at all. She says, Sorry, says, his um, the supports that he puts on the end of his feet to keep them off the ground, because remember he's sitting in that chair, they become Tomei Midras, because he leans on them, his legs are leaning on them. He does not, he's not allowed to go out with them on Shabbos, we said, because he might take them off and carry them, because they could fall off, they were quite loose and they weren't essential to his mobility. And he's not allowed to go with them into the Azorah because they count as his shoes. Now, Tony uh, someone was quoting prices they had learned before Rabbi Yochanan, and they said, you can go into the Azorah with them. So, Ani Shoyne Rabbi Yochanan says to him, whoa, 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 I hold that a woman's even allowed to take that off. Let's say the brother-in-law, remember the case of Yibum, so the brother, her husband died. Now, she has to do Yibum or Chalitza with her brother-in-law, and he's... This lame, this person who can't use his legs at all. So how does she do chalitza? She can take off the support shoe that he has. So Rabbi Yochanan said, I say he can, she can do chalitza with it. It's a proper shoe. Chalitza has to be done with a sandal, with a, with a sandal or a shoe. So Amalei, Ani Shoyne Isha Chalitza is Bovatoman Nichnasin. And you're going to tell me you can go into the Azorah with it? Tony, Ain Nichnasin Bem Lazorah. Edit your brisa. It should read that he's not allowed to go into the Azorah, into the base Amikdash with it. Interesting enough, she's probably not even allowed to go into Harabayas. You know, I don't think you're allowed to go into Harabayas with shoes, but that's something to check out. Then we said in the end of the Mishnah, Loiktamim Tahoira. Loiktamim or Tahoira. My Loiktamim. What are Loiktamim? So, Omer Rebbe Avu, Chamre Da'achba. Rebbe Avu says it is a wooden donkey that clowns would carry on their back. I, it was either, it was, they would hang on this, they would put either and made it look like a donkey was riding them, or they would hang it from straps that made it look like they were riding a donkey and could play with it. Rova Bar, Bar, uh, Barra, Rova Bar Papa Omar, Kishire, Rava Bal Papa says it's stilts. And Rava I to walk through muddy areas or I guess to make himself taller. But Rava Baravhuna Omar Primi and Rava Baravhuna says it is a mask. I was thinking, I mean, stilts make most sense to fit it in with the Mishnah. We're discussing all supports of a person. And maybe even this donkey because he's carrying it. It looks like it's legs. It looks like he's riding it or something like that. But I was wondering why if you learn it as masks, which is actually how Rashi says it in the Mishnah, how does that fit in the Mishnah? Why is it mentioning that masks are tahor? I didn't see an answer. Okay, next Mishnah. Um, Boys are allowed to go out with these knots. We'll see shortly in the Gemara. It's going to be a machlokes what these knots are. And Sons of kings can go out with their bells on the bottom, um, bells, decorative bells on their clothes. But say, the whole Adam, and actually any person can go out with these, the Torah speaks in the prevalent cases. We actually see this in a few Mishnahs. It speaks about like Arabian women, that's, it's telling us, 
Um, not that only Arabian women can wear the scarf around that covers their whole face except their eyes. Any woman can, but it speaks in the prevalent case. So, so to, yeah, it's mostly sons, and it's most, and it's mostly, um, it was mostly boys who would wear these knots, and mostly um, B'nai Malachim princes who would wear decorative bells in their clothes, so that's why it mentions them. Mike Shorim, what are these knots? So, Omar Araba Mori, Omar Rilachmar, Baruch, Omravashi, Baravin, Omrav, Yehuda, what are they? Kishure Pua, garlands made of madder. It's some sort of uh, um, some sort of plant, but it had protective properties, as we'll see. Omar Abaya Omrili Aim, Abaya says that mother told me. Now, just interesting, every time in Shas that you see Abaya say Omrili Aim, he mostly he means his nurse who raised him. Because his mother died while he was very, I don't know if it was in childbirth or when he was very young, but his mother, so when he says, mother told me, he's referring to his nurse. Um, says, mother told me, klasa mukmi, if he has, oh, sorry, Rashi explains, um, yeah, Rashi explains whatever, it's, um, it's a sort of uh, flower that they, would tie, that they would tie into knots around their neck. And they would hang it, yeah, so they'd hang it around their neck for a refuah. Rashi says, I'm not sure what sickness it was actually for, but that's what they would do. They'd hang this thing around their neck for a refuah. And Abaya says that, my mother told me, Tlasa Mikmi, if it has three knots, then it contains the illness. Chamisha Masuet, if it has five knots, it can even heal the, The wound and shiva malu and if it has seven knots, then it even starts to work to prevent witchcraft. says, for these knots to work, they must never have seen sunlight. mitra, sorry, never seen sunlight or the moon or rain. kol never heard the sound, the clanging of iron. Veloitarnagolsa. The Kaltan the Gosa, the Kalnigri, nor the sound of a rooster, nor the sound of footsteps. So, this is for this garland, for this, uh, this shiri, this rope, uh, this necklace to work, to have these powerful healing properties, it has to meet quite a lot of criteria. Never been in sunlight, never been in the face in the moonlight, never heard uh, these sounds, etc. So, um, well, now you might as well throw it into a, tea, uh, into a pit. It's lost all its purpose. When are you going to have an atom that, has nev- that meets all these criteria? So it's pointless. But then if we're speaking about this healing necklace, then why does the Mishnah mention boys and not girls? And why does it mention children? It should mention adults as well. So, so therefore, he's not happy with explaining Shorim as the special healing necklace because why wouldn't anyone wear it? I'm imagining they have, have similar to an amulet in my mind. I mean, just as we learned a few days ago, you can go out with an amulet if it's for a fur. So too, you can go out with this necklace, this Shorim necklace, if it's for a fur. But then again, why does it mention boys and children? It should anyone should wear it for this sickness. So the Gemara answers, Ella Mike Shorim. So uh, Rali says, what are these knots we're talking about? A son who's suffering separation anxiety from his father, 
He would take the strap off his right shoe, and tie it on his son's left arm. And somehow that, uh, that combination had, had a property of making the son feel less anxious about his father going away. And now we understand why it's, Rashi explains why it's sons. Because sons generally have a close relationship with their father that they're going to mind their father away or leaving, which is not as usual by daughters. Um, and, the, and also with children. Adults don't necessarily suffer this. And daughters who would, let's maybe feel it for their mother, mothers don't normally leave the home for extended periods, whereas many learn this is a father going on a trip. But I also wasn't sure, like some daughters or many children suffer separation anxiety as soon as their parents want to leave the house to go shopping or to go to a wedding or to go like this. So why wouldn't that work? But I'm not sure. The way to remember it is tefillin. You take with the right and you put on the left. So you take from the father's right shoe and put it on the son's left shoe. It says, It's actually dangerous. Somehow it's dangerous to switch them around. So again, it's some sort of superstition. I'm not sure exactly what. Omar Avin Barhuna Omar of Khamabaguria, Sukhufe Kisa Atiboire Bashamsa Shapirdami. There was a refor they used to use for certain stomach aches, is they would take a warm cup, empty out the water, and then put the cup on the on the on the stomach. So you're allowed to do that on Shabbos. Why is it a big chidush that you're allowed to do that on Shabbos? We have a general principle you're not allowed to do anything that's for a fuhr. On Shabbos, and this is for a fool, this is to fix up his stomach. So there are various, various ways in the Rishonim of learning this, but the one version is that. We know that the Chachomim came along and made a Zaira against doing anything for a fool on Shabbos, um, because you might come to grind substances. However, they said whether a fool doesn't involve any of these ingredients, if it's to save a person from a lot of pain, then you are allowed to do the refua. And that's why I don't know if you've ever heard people say that you ask the Rav, can I take panada or something on Shabbos? Generally, you can't take panada on Shabbos because it's uh, refuah. I mean, the standard halacha, let's not go into maybe nowadays the Xayr has fallen away because it's more complex to make medicines, whatever. Let's assume the Xayr stands and you're holding with those opinions. So you ask the Rav, can I put, take panada? He'll tell you, are you bedridden? Is, it, is your headache so sore or your ail so sore that you want to lie down in bed? Because then it's considered a significant uh, pain that you could take the medication on Shabbos or do the refuah on Shabbos. So that's why this, granted, you're generally not allowed to do things for refuah on Shabbos. You could do this cup. But that's an important halacha to keep in mind that there's actually three levels. And on the surface, there are three levels and you have to analyze the halachas in each of them. There's someone who's dangerously ill. Obviously, you can do anything for them. Never mind Isurei Durabonin, you can even do Isurei Durabonin. Doris, you can actually cook for someone who's dangerously ill if that's what they need. Um, the second level would be someone who's in a lot of pain, maybe bedridden or would go to bed. And then the latest level is someone who's just uncomfortable, a little bit ill. And the refuas are different, how we treat those two scenarios of someone who's not dangerously ill but in a lot of pain or not in a lot of pain, or it affects his whole body or just one limb, that would be... Uh, that's a big discussion, exactly what refuas are allowed or not. Okay. Omar Avin Barhuna Omar Avchama Barguria Avin Barhunia 
Sorry, Avin Barhuna said the name of Chama Barguria. Sorry, I just read that. Omar Avin Barhuna, Omar of Chama Barguria. Okay, same person says. Mutar losuch shemen umelach b'shabes. They allowed to smear salt and um, oil and salt on on Shabbos. Kihod Rav Huna mi Bay Rav, like Huna from the yeshiva of Rav. Rav mi Bay Rebbe Chia, Rebbe Chia mi Bay Rebbe. Ki havu mivsami when they would have drunk too much. Maisi mishcha umilcha. They would bring salt and oil. The shayfilu legave diday vegav legavisa didayhu vegavisa decharayhu. They would rub the salt and oil on their palms and on their soles of their feet. For Omri, and they would say, "Kihechi detzalil high mishcha." Just as this oil is clear, little chamra the planya bar planisa. Let it heal. Let it make the wine of the of so and so, the son of his mother's name. Be uh, the wine become clear. I let him sober up. The Elo, if they didn't have that, they would bring sealing clay from a barrel and throw it into water. Just as it is, this this clay becomes clear, so too may the wine become clear. Um. Rashi says, why were these students, why do we have this thing of, uh, to sober up, um, Rav, um, all, it's a tradition, Rav Huna when he was in the yeshiva of Rav, and Rav when he was in the yeshiva of Rebbe Chia, and Rebbe Chia when he's in the yeshiva of Rebbe, when they would get drunk. So Rashi says that the Talmidim would, uh, they used to actually give their Talmidim, the Rebbe used to give a little bit of the Talmudim, something to drink, and sometimes they'd get a bit drunk, and before they went into the more in-depth analysis, or be to save the um, these, the dignity of these uh, prominent students, they would tr- sober them up. I couldn't see, I didn't get a chance to look inside, but I saw Art Scroll bring that they would give them a little bit of wine to like make their mind a little bit more susceptible to more um, ideas that are not as easy and rational to grasp. But obviously not to make them drunk, just to uh, um, just to help them. I guess it's nichnas yai in So if you want a real uh, good uh, discussion, then there needs to be a little bit of wine. But I'm not sure. Have to look into this a bit more um, before you start having a glass of wine before the dafyomishir. Let's uh, look into this a bit more. Um, Just lost the place. Sorry. Yeah. Omar Avin Barhuna. Omar Hamabaguria. Avin Barhuna said the name of Hamabaguria. Mutar lechaneik b'Shabbos. Yeladu literally strangle on Shabbos. It seems from Rashi that if someone like dislocated or like put their back out, they would tie very or one of these vertebrae would start pushing forward. They would tie very tightly around the neck as a refuah. It looked like he was being strangled, but he was. Uh, but it's but he's, you're allowed to do that on Shabbos. It seems again because there's no ingredients involved that you might come to grind it, and it's a lot of very 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 painful. So therefore, to heal him, you are allowed to do something for a fuah. Regarding swaddling a newborn on Shabbos, Shapidami, you're allowed to do that. They would, and because of the labor, sometimes a, a, a baby's limbs could be a little bit. 
dislocated and disjointed and crooked. So they would swaddle them in a tightly in a certain way. Again, it's for a foot to uh, set them straight, get them in line, um, get the body in line with each other. And then, but you're allowed to do that on Shabbos. Rav Papa Masni Bonim. Rav Papa taught two halachas regarding sons, and Rav Zvid Masni Ben, and Rav Zvid taught the halacha regarding a son. Rav Papa Masni Bonim Vatavayu Masni Luhu Ba'avin Barhuna. When Rav Popa taught about sons, he taught both of them in the name of Avim Barhuna, either halacha regarding the knots around the neck and the um, swaddling of the baby. And Rav Zvid Masni Ben Kamaisa Masni Ba'avim Barhuna, the first halacha regarding a son, either not the case of the knots he taught regarding Avim Barhuna, and Voho Masni Lobaraba Bar. And this halacha regarding swaddling, he taught in the name of Rabbi Babachana. To Omar Rabbi Babachana. So, okay, this is more, more technical lining up who said what and in whose name, which halachas. Let's not focus on the But where do we see Rabbi Babachana? To Omar Rabbi Babachana, the fafufu yunucho b'shabta, shapir dami, you can tightly swaddle a newborn baby on Shabbos. Omar Abaya, Abaya says, now, once we've discussed a few refuers and cures, we now go on to um, what Abaya says. Um, uh, other teachings regarding other refuers, other healing things that they had. Just interesting discussion. A lot of this seems, first question we have to ask is how is it not, does it not fall into the category of uh, witchcraft and superstition, all these strange things that they used to do. Okay, that's a big, a big question and a big discussion. Um, it seems simply on the surface that they had, uh, to them it worked, and uh, for whatever reason it doesn't fall into the categories of superstition. I think we might discuss this a little bit of, on the next stuff. Um, um, but they were allowed to do it. And then the second issue of, um, should the... I'll try to remember for tomorrow to bring the source inside. I think it's in the, it's Rabbi Akiva Eger's son. I've heard it brought in Rabbi Akiva Eger's name, but I think it's Rabbi Akiva Eger's son. Um, I'm going to look it up. He says that we're actually not allowed to, we're actually not allowed to do any of these on, uh, on Shabbos. Um, we're, sorry, not allowed to do any of these Shabbos. We're never allowed to do any of these because we don't really know how to work them or in our times, for whatever reason, they don't work and we kind of come and mock the words of Chazal. But we still learn it. We still view it as Torah. Um, we just, as we said, we're just not allowed to try them ourselves because there's no, uh, because they don't work and or we don't know exactly how to do it and we'll mock the words of Chazal. That's that's from, uh, I think, the, the, if I remember it from the Gilgan Maharsha, Rabbi Kiva Eger's son. So carrying on, um, so Omar Abaya Abaya says, Omrili Aim, Aim mother told me, call Minyono Basama, sorry, the Aima, anytime you're using an incantation or an amulet, you must use the Sorry, call, call minyana bishmo da'ema. Whenever you're using an incantation, you must use the name of the mother. Very interesting. Similarly, when we daven for someone sick or say tehillim for someone sick, we use uh, the mother's name. And that's what it's saying here. Use the mother's name. But call kitri bismoila. Whenever you tie knots I for this cures, you use the left. You tie them on the left. 
Interesting, again, we must look into this more. We see that clearly there's some supernatural thing at play that tying things on the left is the way it's done. We find by Tefillin, obviously that's for Kedusha and Taharin. We find by, by these Rafuas, you always do it on the left. Um, if the incantation you're supposed to say a specific number of times, okay, say it that number of times. If it doesn't specify how many times to say it, then you must say it 41 times. Then a further teaching. You're allowed to go with the Evan Tukuma Shabbos on Shabbos. Sorry about that. Just wrestling. Um, so, so, oh, so this Eventakuma, it was a special stone that they used to use. Um, to prevent miscarriage. And it's interesting, there's, I saw Artscroll, I couldn't find out, but I saw Artscroll bring four different possibilities of what it could be. They bring from um, the Elia Rabba that once in a while you'd find like a, a casing, a shell casing or a mud casing with a, that was hollow inside with the stone, a little stone rattling around inside. So that's this Eventakuma. Interestingly enough, that's, I mean, that's almost like a fetus rattling inside the mother's womb. That's what I thought the connection was. And then they brought from Chidusha Aran. It's a diamond, which is very hard and unbreakable. So that's a siman that this uh, pregnancy should be enduring. And then a third thing they brought in the name of the Rashba was that it says a special incident happened to the stone and makes it an Eventakuma. But apparently the Rashba doesn't say what happens around the stone that makes it into the special stone. And then a fourth thing they wanted to suggest from Rabbeinu Bachia, I didn't get a chance to look it up, but it has to do with the ruby and why it works, why the special stone. But again, but for our purposes, this Evan Tukuma is a special stone that's to prevent miscarriage, and a woman's allowed to go out wearing it on Shabbos. Mishum Rebbe Meir, Omri Rebbe Shumar, Omer, Afpa Mishkal Evan Tukuma, and... Even if it's a counterweight of an Evan Tukuma. If you take this Evan Tukuma and you weigh it and there's a stone with another exact amount, exact same weight as it, that can also serve as an Evan. It's not the Evan Tukuma, but it also works to protect a woman from miscarriage and should be allowed to wear it on Shabbos. Um... And then he says, and he says, and it doesn't only be a woman who's miscarried in the past, but a woman who's concerned that she might miscarriage, and not only a woman who's pregnant, even if she wants to wear it for a, in, to protect her in, an onca, in a pregnancy that when she does become pregnant and from a miscarriage. So it doesn't have to be, again, very specific, even if there's a remote, there's a woman who for whatever reason she suspects she might miscarry, 
then she's allowed to wear this even to come, even if she's not yet pregnant. This that you can use the counterweight is where it ought, where it just happened to be the same weight. And let's say you had this even to come and you picked up a pebble and the pebble happened to weigh the same amount as the that's the even to come. But if you had to do something to it to make it weigh the same, like let's say chip away a bit, then it wouldn't count, it wouldn't work, and you'd not be allowed to go out with that on Shabbos. Boya, Boya, Boya asked, Mishkal the Mishkal Mai. What would be the halacha regarding a counterweight to the counterweight? Uh, when you weigh a stone as a counterweight to the Evan Takuma, then it works for this, this uh, protection. What happens if you take that counterweight and you weigh another stone on the scale with that? Does that also offer that same protection? And Teku, they left it unresolved. If someone gets a daily fever, he must take a newly minted zuz, silver coin, and go to the salt pools, Rashi explains the salt pools were they would let the seawater flow into a pit and then they would block up the pit and wait for the seawater to evaporate and then and, and the salt would be left. So that's how you, so you go to one of those salt pools. Take its weight of this coin in salt. And tie it by the, to hang by the opening of his shirt with the with the hair, and if he so that's what he should do to heal this uh, recurring fever. Ve'iloy, if he can't get hold of those uh, those uh, what's it, ingredients, those items, leisuv apasha strochim, sit by a crossroads. V'chi chazi shum shemana gamle dori midi when he sees a large ant carrying something. Lishkele v'lishtei beguvasa denashcha. He should take it out and put it in a copper tube. Close it with lead. And seal it with 60 seals. Then he should shake it, um, shake it and lift it up. And say towards this uh, tube. Let's switch loads. I'll take your load, whatever you and were carrying, and you take my load. I the daily headache, the daily fever. Says no, don't do, don't say I'll take your load and you take my load because maybe someone's already done this. I maybe someone's already picked up this ant and used it in this cure and put their load, their daily fevers on it, their illness on it. And when you say you take my load and I'll take your load, you're taking on that other person's illness. He says rather my load and your load are on you. Okay, the Eloi, if you can't find this ant carrying a load that you want to put in this tube and wrap it up and say this, if you can't do that, Lishkol Kuza Chadota, take a new jag, Velezel Nahara, go to a river, Velemele, and say to the river, Nahara, Nahara, Uzbin Kuza Demaya, Leurcha Deiklili, please uh, lend me some water for this guest that has that. Papa, Rosha, turn it around seven times on his head, pour it out behind him, and say to Nara Nahara Shokil Maya the Yahavtali, the Urcha de Ikla Li, 
um, take this water that you gave to me because my for the guest that has passed me, biyuma asu biyuma ozal. He came today and he's gone today. Okay, so those are some cures regarding uh, how to get rid of this fever, and we'll carry on with a few more cures um, tomorrow.